From Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network, this is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockle. This episode marks the start of our second season. Our second season. I can hardly believe it. We're calling season two Ugly Feelings, which is timely for a pandemic, right? But the truth is that I thought about this season's theme long before a global pandemic was upon us, stirring up all kinds of ugly feelings as we stay at home and worry about the future and navigate complex emotional spaces in ourselves and with those we love. For a while now, I've been wanting to have an expansive conversation with people I trust about emotional wellness. And I wanted to go about it by steering right for the hard stuff, not looking away, naming and exploring what brings us pain, but may also, and I really believe this, be key to our own self-discovery and our healing. So for season two, I've invited mental health professionals and psychologists into conversations to talk about the emotional terrain of despair and anger and panic and more. The truth is that we recorded these conversations at various times in the always changing reality of a pandemic and shifting information about COVID-19. You'll hear me talk with our guests as we grapple with where we are in the timeline of that moment. We might sound shell-shocked. We might sound more settled in for the long haul. We might sound like we're just getting our feet underneath us. No matter where we are in the timeline of self-isolation and physical distancing and coronavirus updates, conversations about emotional wellness and mental health are so good for us right now. I'm really excited for you to hear these conversations. Listening will be like getting free therapy. Don't miss even a minute. Share the episodes with your loved ones. Let us know what connects with you and all your ugly feelings. Today's episode is called Despair, and I'm talking with my dear friend, Alan Rosales. If you don't know Al, I can't wait for you to meet him. We make Between Sundays on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. It's a privilege to make a podcast on this land. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to the conversation. Let's spend some time introducing you, getting to know you in light of the conversation we're having today. Uh, Your connection to the Commons community is a little less obvious, although some of our volunteers will know who you are because you were on our panel, our self-care panel with the pros at our last team night. But ultimately, you're friends with me. And you're (laughs) friends with me because you go way back with my beloved, Jonathan Bateman. Where could you trace even like how far back the two of you go? Oh my goodness. Um, no, I can't really think right. of a date. I think there were just some moments of us 
And the connection uh, I have of Jonathan is through our mutual friends, Lincoln and Janelle, right. who have since moved to Vancouver. And I remember Janelle inviting her friends out and Jonathan was one of them. And then we would just hang out a lot. And then just over time, Jonathan has just been somebody who's been beloved in my life. I know. Yes. We love him, don't we? We do. <laughs> yes. I keep hoping he'll like bust through in our conversation today, but I'm sure he'll stay away. <laughs> he doesn't like the spotlight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you have like a best Bateman memory? Um, Gosh. No, you know, a lot of it is just like spending time hanging out. Yeah. Uh, dancing around, being silly. Yeah. Uh, sometimes going out to like art shows or hearing the orchestra or just oh. things like that. It's just like, just a good way to spend time with. Yeah. 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 He's one of those people that like get him at a pub, saddle up alongside of him. Mm -hmm. Like the best nights. Yes. <laughs> He's going to ask you good questions. Yes. Care about super what's going on smart, in your life. Super so intelligent. Smart. Very thoughtful, very caring, and so... He would hate that we're saying all this <laughs> so much. But I love a Jonathan Bateman love fest, yes. so it's great. So we're going to get into the ugly feeling that I've chosen mm -hmm. for our conversation today, a despair in a moment. But can you map out a little bit more of your training and the places that you come from and uh, kind of what you bring to a conversation around emotions? Yeah, I think um, the best way for me to kind of do that is to kind of go through my development as just uh, growing up here in Calgary. Perfect. Uh, born and raised in the city. Uh, my parents are from the Philippines. Uh, we grew up in southeast Calgary. And I was always that kid who was good at drawing. Always a kid good at drawing. Yes. Just like oh. from what I could always remember, I loved coloring. Okay. If I love drawing. Your notebook from that like your early years and we've opened it like what would we see gosh uh i know a little bit later down the road when yeah. i really got into it was comic books okay um i actually really struggled learning how to read when oh. i was a kid and it actually set me back in school okay uh but then when i discovered comic books and words in comic books that's when i learned to read because i loved the illustration so oh. much very cool. Yeah. So what I used to do with my brother and my best friend who lived down the street is we'd make up comic book characters. We'd oh, make up superheroes. Up. Okay. And we would actually build superhero outfits out of like cardboard. And then I we would take like my dad's like uh, he had this briefcase. We put stuff in the briefcase so yeah. that we could walk around the house or the neighborhood <laughs> with our superhero outfits. And then when the time arise, <laughs> arose, we would just put on our superhero outfits. <laughs> What were the names? Did you have names for your superheroes? Uh, I can't remember the oh, specific names, but we we good. emulated a lot of current heroes okay. like Iron Man and the okay. Hulk and Wolverine, those kind of, oh, cast of characters. So, so Marvel good. characters, Batman was oh big. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love that so much. Okay, so back to so yeah, growing so, up, love to draw. So drawing was always something that really came natural to me, uh, and so I always thought that a career in arts was something that I would grow up and and do. So after high school. I actually went to the Alberta College of Art and Design and I spent my first two years, then I was really enjoying it, but then I had some, maybe some ugly feelings. Oh, the theme is up. <laughs> well, at that time I was, huh. I was uh, experiencing the loss of my grandfather. Oh. I was in a relationship where it started out healthy and then at the time 
uh, started to not be so healthy. Um, it was the first time I traveled to the Philippines as an adult. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I had a lot of questions about what my career was going to be like and what I wanted to do and what is the purpose of my life. Mm. Um, so I started seeing a counselor at, at uh, the Alberta College of Art and Design. Oh, cool. And that really changed my life. Oh, wow. Uh, in that here was somebody who was uh, basically an objective person, a professional person, who was mirroring the feelings back to me that I was expressing, mm. which is something that within the context of my family, uh, we didn't have a lot of, there was a lot of love in our house, mm. but to have that mirror was a different way of seeing, mm. seeing and being in the world. So from there, I made a switch. I, I made a switch from uh, a fine art career and I moved into uh, a degree in psychology at the University of Calgary. Oh. Uh, um, and then from there, uh, moved into a master's of art therapy. Okay, so and that's went, when they, the worlds came together yes, again. Yes, yeah. Okay. And then I moved to Montreal to do my master's. Right. And that was for a couple of years? Uh, started out as supposed to be a couple of years, but <laughs> I loved it so much. I just loved it. I was having such a great time being a young person and being in the living city. Living in Montreal. We live in Montreal. The art seat is fantastic. The bagels. food. Like, it was just like, I loved it. Oh, wow. So you're there a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think I was there for five, six, five years. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe longer than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you enjoyed the program. Yes, I loved right it. There, yeah. And that was the foundation of me um, learning to be a counselor and how to work with people through mm -hmm. an arts modality. Ah, oh, what, what does that mean? Well, uh, my training is as an art therapist. Okay. So we use uh, particularly the visual arts. Okay. So we can do things like painting and drawing and you can use clay and sculpture to kind of like express yourself, especially if ugly feelings, your good feelings, your bad mm -hmm. feelings. Uh, through these different mediums. Okay. Uh, and then we talk about it in the mm. context of your life. Mm. And what's is going that, on with you. When, when you talk about that, I'm sure it goes either way, but is it generally like in a group setting or is it often one-on-one? -on -one? It can be both. Both, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it depends on the context of where I'm working or who I'm working yeah, with. Yeah, okay. Um, so they can be individual one-on-one -on -one sessions which are usually about an hour or so okay yeah in a group context with 10 to 15 people it can be it can be five people it can be 10 people it can be 15 people it can be usually about an hour and a half okay just a little yeah. more time to mm -hmm. account for yeah all of those pieces yeah so i started doing art therapy and while i was in montreal i worked in outpatient psychiatry with suicidal youth and I also work with adults with developmental delays. And we did art therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, and dance therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super cool. So good. Yes. If you could like paint us a bit of a picture with a story or like, you know, sort of take a, take a snapshot of, of one of those moments um, in that setting. Could you describe that for us? Um... I can do one for each. So okay. when I was in, in outpatient psychiatry, uh, we published on an article about the use of art therapy with a suicidal youth mm -hmm. or a couple suicidal youths. And um, the young person uh, came in and she started talking about um, building up and putting walls and she actually drew them. Okay. And she had come from a past that was fairly chaotic and there was some trauma that happened for her. And um, 
one of the things that we talked about through the course of her therapy, actually was another colleague of mine, uh, my professor at the time, she talked about to the young person that we can build up walls when we need to, and we can take them down when mm -hmm. it's appropriate and mm -hmm. it's right. So then she had some control over what was happening mm -hmm. and understanding that uh, things can change in the way relationships uh, she's experienced and they can be different in the future. Mm. So what, what strikes me about that is uh, when you draw something, it moves the, the closeness or what, how do I want to say this? Uh, like away from you a little bit or like mm -hmm. puts an object it helps you hold the thing at with some distance and look around at it maybe a little bit differently maybe it's like an indirect way to the direct thing yes exactly or something yes which i could see would be really beneficial in such intense and sometimes really fraught yes. spaces so typically you would do uh, an art piece and you would work over several sessions on that piece okay or you would work on in just one off per okay. session. And then you have a record of the, all these drawings oh. and you have a record of kind of, uh, of their relationships and their experience of the world through these drawings. And then you can come back to it at the end of working together and then comment and see what, what's changed, mm. what's different. What do you notice new? What, what didn't you notice before? Oh yeah. Because symbols and metaphor are pretty powerful. Yes. Say more about that. Well, it's a way of symbols and metaphor is um, thinking about things in a different kind of way. Um, and I think that's where the power of the arts is, is mm -hmm. that capacity to be able to um, turn your suffering into a drawing. Right. Turn your confusion into some piece of clay or artwork. Huh. It's like transformative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, um, right. so another, so another example is when we, I was working with adults with developmental delays, mm. uh, we actually had a program, like I said, where they do art therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, and dance music therapy. And so there would be a, a cohort of about 20 young adults mm -hmm. and they would be in the program for three years. And then the program would kind of culminate in a pr full production of some kind of fairy tale. Oh, wow. And so it would be adjusted to the personalities of the people who are coming to the show. Oh. And so um, people would take up characters that we were really interested in. Uh, for example, one young man really loved wrestling. Okay. And so we integrated his character as a wrestler, <laughs> as, a, as a character in one of the fairy tales. <laughs> Just randomly shows up. <laughs> it's like it's like the manger scene, yeah. like the purple dinosaur, the, exactly. like the lobster. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, of course you belong. There's Just room like for that. everybody in fairy tales. Exactly. Oh my gosh! Like as soon as you said we did this with fairy tales, it's like my brain burst with like a live image and yeah. uh yeah just like the the hilarity yes but that not not at the expense of anything just like look at us being alive just the way we are exactly yeah uh because sometimes what can happen especially uh with young adults or w with adults with developmental delays is they can kind of see themselves as their kind of like the issue or problems that they're ha oh, having so down syndrome right. or epilepsy or something else but this helps them to see themselves in a different kind of way oh wow i can see myself as a they can see themselves as a creative person yeah. making art 
acting, drama, oh, being a part singing, of a being a part of a production, group, right? Giving something to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, what happens um, when I was part of those productions is. Uh, clients would be so uh, anxious about, you know, going up and performing. Mm-hmm. And then once they've had a taste of applause, you can't get them off the stage. <laughs> you actually, sometimes actually physically guide them off the stage. It's someone else's turn And now. then, yeah, but the audience just eats it up. They loved it. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Oh, it, like, releases, like, our all of our own humanity. Yes. To, yeah. to be a part of that, whether the audience or someone on the stage yep oh that's really neat oh i love those stories yeah so after montreal um i moved back to calgary and then i started working in domestic violence i worked at the ywc of calgary and uh, worked in the shelter system there with uh, women and children um and then also developing some art therapy programs some art space programs and play therapy programs based out of there okay then I moved into, uh, after that was finished, about eight years, I moved to Alberta Health Services into cancer care, and then we did arts programs for cancer patients okay. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> these, these are not light <laughs> like populations at yes. all. Yeah. Uh, did that wear on you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So especially the challenges around domestic violence. Yeah. Uh, was really hard to hear some of those stories but also knowing myself as a very sensitive human being Mm -hmm. and just uh, sometimes I feel like I can pick up people's feelings and I have no awareness of it myself you know and so that was a bit of a challenge for me to kind of figure things out like you don't realize how deep it's sort of come yeah you're absorbing yeah somebody else's feelings okay um so during that time, I started doing yoga, and from time to time, I teach yoga. So I'm, a, right. I'm also a trained yoga teacher. Yeah, and were you were you aware in that time? Like, I need to find some practices for myself. Yes. To take care, or I'm not gonna be yes. able to sustain this work. Yes, because self care, which we'll probably talk about yeah, at some will. point. <laughs> we will. <laughs> self care is so important mm-hmm. in the work that I was doing at the time because people's nervous systems were so uh, hyper aroused. And when you're around that, it's kind of easy to kind of become that weight or your nervous system could become entrained with what's happening with other people around you if you're not careful. So I was only, I, I was with the YWC for eight years. And then after eight years kind of felt like it's time for me to do something else. Okay. Like, um, I've done this work and I'm really proud of this yeah. work. And, um, I think the other thing too, is that sometimes we feel like I know for myself, I feel like I have to be everything to everyone. And part of being a helper for me was also realizing I'm just a part of the puzzle. I'm part of the, I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm a piece in a team and a community that helps support people. So if I move on to something else, then there's opportunities for other people. Right. So, and that's when I moved on to Albert Health Services okay. in cancer care. So the suffering is kind of different or the ugly feelings are quite different. Yeah. So in domestic violence, it's um, escaping, you know, um, these horrible um, relationships and things that are going badly. In cancer care, you're dealing with kind of like your own mortality. Right. Uh, you're, you're staring it down. You're yeah. staring it down. And so 
there's all these difficult and challenging treatments mm. and then um, people are, are watching you get sick and when people hear the word cancer like people immediately start to freak out so right. yeah it was a different kind of yeah experience of working in that yeah yeah what also what I also wonder about is you're drawing some distinctions there is uh and I have a question about this later but maybe we can talk about it now the complexity of feeling like different feelings at the same time. Mm. And I think about domestic violence and some of the complexities there is like, like this person hurt me and it makes me sad, but I love them. Yes. Like what a constantly disorienting place Mm -hmm. to be in. And with cancer care, I could imagine the grief some of it would be maybe a little more clear. I'm supposed yeah. to be sad. I'm sick. Yeah. I could die. That means yeah. I'm gonna. I'm sad for the ones around me. Uh, but maybe then, then you start feeling like grateful for the parts of your life that you. Or you know, it's just I think about how complex both of those yes scenes are, but also the complexity of like, we don't feel just one thing. Yes. At yes. once, it's not yeah. like I feel the sad next i feel grateful you know it's yeah. like we have this something is complex enough in our humanity to be like oh i'm feeling like afraid and i miss this person yes. at the exact same time yes i yeah. love this person yeah. at the same time i hate this person yes exactly as yeah as distinct as like love uh, and hate at the same time um I really want to be around this person because they inspire me, but at the same time, I'm really afraid of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the or just simple things where I have children with yeah. this partner. Yeah. And how are we going to make this work? There's right. a lot of complexity. So much. And I don't know what the research currently, but it's, at the time, it's it takes a woman quite a a woman escaping domestic violence. Uh, quite a number of times to before leave that relationship really before she really leaves. And That's so right. I think there's also a lot of judgment around that. Yeah. And, and as a society and community, I think uh, showing more empathy and understanding around mm-hmm. those things is really important mm-hmm. because it is really, really complex. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, Keep going. And then uh, speaking to the, the difference yeah. with um, somebody facing cancer or with a terminal diagnosis, mm-hmm. or a family member supporting another member, uh, it's it's quite different when you're facing a limited amount of days at the end of your, and you know yeah. that you might be passing away. Yeah. Um, and even if they give you uh, so many weeks or whatever yeah. or years, um, that doesn't mean that'll actually happen. Right. And at the same time, so you have family members who are caring for you and supporting uh, you as you're going through this journey. And so it's it's a different kind of thing. And then if you have kids, mm-hmm. it can be also quite right. complex in yeah. those kind of feelings as well. Right. So let's zoom out a little bit. Yeah. And talk about feelings more broadly. Okay. So give me like some... Emotions 101 or, you know, like a feelings fact sheet. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what are some things that come to your mind generally and broadly when we start to think, you know, about emotions? Um, Well, the first thing, 
Sometimes I use feelings and emotions, the words feelings, emotions interchangeably, yeah. but they're a little bit different. They so, are. so feelings are emotional states and sensations. Okay. Uh, emotions uh, are a state of mind related to our circumstance, our environment, our current situation. Uh. They can also be related to our relationships okay. uh, with others, but also our relationships with ourselves. Okay. Um, emotions can also include responses to historical experiences as well. Oh. So if we're in a current situation that reminds us of something that happened in the past, yeah. it can bring those two feelings up at the same time. Okay, okay. So yes. Okay. Um, and so that's also th something to think about when we're thinking about feelings and emotions. But okay. during the course of this context, I'll probably... Use them both. Yeah. I, I, know, I was like, I'm about to really mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But I did want to do a little That's bit of... That's really just, helpful. Yes, but also... So yeah. I still want to... I really want to get that then. Like, it sounds to me that emotions are like, I'm responding to things. Yes. Either like in the present or of the past. Yep. So give me a, a an easy handle for feelings again. Feelings is just kind of like the sensation of what's happening. The sensation. The emotional state of what's kind of happening for you. Okay. Yeah, they're a bit the same but different. And yeah. especially when I'm talking to little kids. Yeah. I'll, because uh, I was doing a program around mental health and wellness through puppets okay. at uh, an elementary here in Calgary. We use the words feelings more because that's a little bit easier oh, for them to understand. Okay. So I use them interchangeably. Maybe that's so. why I like it because I just want a real like basic. Yeah. <laughs> like what are we talking about? <laughs> do you like the question, how does it make you feel? Like, do you ask people that question? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do actually. You do? Yeah. I've been really curious about that. Is that like a standard question for people? How does it make you feel? How does that question make you feel? <laughs> it depends also on my mindset at the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> What's true. going on with me too. Sometimes when people ask me that question, I'm like, shut up. Just shut up right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So any more? Okay. So those were some distinctions around language, feelings, and emotions. Yeah. What else? What are some other basics? Uh, I can I can actually talk to you about some of the things that we talked about with the kids. Okay. Grade threes and six. I love this. Yeah. Because uh, tons of our, we have a lot of young families in our community yeah. so this is great al so we were talking to the kids about what it means to be mindful oh. uh, and um having some awareness insight curiosity and thoughtfulness about our thoughts and feelings okay uh this is really important because it it, it impacts how we connect interact and behave uh in our world uh and this also impacts our relationships with right. each other um so making art uh, can bring up or spark or remind us of experiences we've had in the past. Mm. And to help us learn more about ourselves, we can categorize our feelings into comfortable or uncomfortable feelings. Oh, so like start with that. Yeah. Like I might not know my whole feelings wheel mm -hmm. uh, or chart or something, yeah. but I might be like, okay, I'm uncomfortable right now. Yes. Get curious about yes. that. Yeah. What's making me uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Where do I? Uh, another question I wonder about a lot of people seem more and more interested in uh, like body intelligence and where yes. we feel the thing in our body, which yes. still is like such a foreign idea to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I'm trying, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Ah! <laughs> my brain is like, I don't know. Um, but being curious, I really like that that entry point. Mm -hmm. 
Comfortable. What, what was it again? Uh, comfortable and, and uncomfortable. Yeah, just feeling. comfortable and uncomfortable. Yeah. So then I asked the students about what were some examples of comfortable feelings for them. Okay. And some examples of uncomfortable feelings for them. Okay. And yeah. and did kids find it pretty? Were they? It was pretty easy for them to yeah. answer that. They, they could go there. Yeah. Oh, pretty quickly they can okay. they can say what they like and basically don't like about. Yeah. What do I like and what do I don't like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I asked them, can you have big feelings? Oh, big feelings. Okay. Can feelings also be small too? Oh. Yes. <laughs> do feelings have a beginning and an end? Oh. What do you think about that, Bobby? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it seems to me it's like a fading. Like it, if my feelings might fade out and fade in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there is a beginning and end to a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can you, can your feelings change about a situation or relationship? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, is it okay to have uncomfortable feelings? Right. That's something I like to ask. Yeah. Because sometimes... To kids, yeah, exactly. It can be hard for them, yeah. Yeah, it, it can be hard. And uh, I, I see that a lot, even with my own language, but with others as well, where we, we do subtly judge the thing with our language yes. like this is bad i have a bad yeah i have a bad feeling about mm -hmm. this it's like no you have a feeling yeah what's the feeling okay um, mm -hmm. um and i asked them is it okay to ask for help with un uncomfortable oh, feelings yeah because mm -hmm. sometimes it's really hard with them with developing nervous systems yeah. and kind of other things that are going on right. with them in relationships and friends yeah. and schools and right. parents like, also, we see like a meltdown, right? Like mm -hmm. they're just having a meltdown. It's just like they feel the thing so big. I know. And they don't have all the language for it. Yeah. 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 But even as adults, we totally. can feel that as well, totally. right? Totally. In the midst of what we're experiencing right yeah. now, there can be some really, really big feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So many big feelings. Um, and there's a couple things too that I want to add to that too. Yeah. So here's a, uh, some other questions. Um, are you your feelings? Ooh, are you your feelings? What do you think, Bobby? Oh, you're turning this on me, Al. I don't, I don't think I'm my feelings, but they do. I am the experience of them. Yes. Yeah. So your feelings come from you, but you are not your feelings. Yeah. Yep. Whew. I'm passing. Uh, <laughs> Only barely. Yeah. <laughs> So the way that we talked about it with the young people is like feelings and emotions just tell us about how we're doing, mm -hmm. telling us what's going on in a situation. Right. Um, and that way it's just learning about feedback from ourselves so we can kind of figure out how to move through a situation or handle right. a situation. Um, I think what's really important when I was working in some of those um, more difficult relationships mm -hmm. and doing counseling and those things is... Sometimes when you come out of those really heavy relationships or out of traumatic events, you can start to identify with those things or you identify with those feelings around that. So you mm. actually think that you are sadness. Right. You can feel that you, you are, are lost. lost. Yeah. Or un unlovable. Right. So uh, you think that you're quite sad or those. Yeah. you think you are ugly feelings. Right. So... I think it's important for people to separate themselves mm. from that and uh, understand that if you're not your traumas, you aren't, you're not the bad things that happened to yeah. you. And because bad things happened to you in the past 
doesn't necessarily mean that bad things are going to happen to you in the future. Right. Some of our language here in our teaching is uh, like the worst thing that happened to you mm. does not define you. Yes. Or the worst thing you did yes. doesn't define you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's our feelings fact sheet. Yes. Ooh, those yeah. are good. So and we were doing that with grade threes and grade sixes, and so that's okay. I grade think, which grades again? Grade threes okay. and grade sixes, grade sixes. with us <gasps> with actually Haysboro School. So oh. the sooner that we can have these kind of conversations yes. with kids, it's yeah. so important and so vital. Truly, for our society. we can always learn. But imagine if that was just such a natural part of our like brain plasticity, you know, mm. like our neuroplasticity that was like, oh, my brain knows the track to take yeah. when it comes to this kind of sensation in my body. Yeah. Rather than like being in your 40s and being like, wait, like, <laughs> what else do I feel but mad? Exactly. <laughs> and then after that, how do I cope with those yeah. things? And there's yeah. some choices that a person can make right. or... Right. Some habits that can come up around that that can be right. either positive or helpful or not helpful. Right. So I have a kind of I have a couple questions about our relationships with feelings and a couple different things. So one is, could you talk about our relationship with feelings and the cultures that we come from? Oh, okay. Can you tell me more about that? Like I would imagine. I mean, you mentioned your home being full of love but maybe not having a lot of like a lot of extra tools when it comes to Mm -hmm. like uh, emotions i think about that for my own growing up too and so i'm thinking maybe cultures in our homes but even just like the broader cultures that we come from that like we might be sort of handed certain uh, stories might be too much but like expectations around how to live with feelings yeah that sometimes is really beneficial but sometimes it it's lacking or, yes um yeah and i think those are really individual and unique from family to yeah. family and from culture to culture so again my parents came from the philippines in the 60s and 70s and so um while they did know some english they were still learning a lot of english so language so oh. language is is so important because language is is how we just communicate those basic things and so uh my brother and i we grew up um speaking english because for my parents to practice english in the home was very very helpful for them and um i think there was probably some resistance for us as kids to learn yeah uh, our mother tongue yeah um in hindsight now it's kind of like sad that i don't have that Um, but I would like to take steps forward and, and really considering yeah. like coming back to that and, okay. and what ways can I do that? Yeah. Uh, because I think it can cause a little bit of separation between myself and my parents because yeah. of the, their, the comfort of, of where they're speaking from. It comes from their natural language, right. not an English language. Right. Um, and that's a, and the thing about language too, is that we have like different words for different things. Like mm-hmm. if, if we had like multiple like tongues, you know, if I don't, if, if the English language isn't, I can't kind of find the word for it. There might be yeah. a word that's more helpful in, yes. And from the culture that you yes. share. Yeah. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also to say that, you know, my parents were also, uh, 
struggling just, you know, to be successful and yeah. to raise two kids. Right. And my dad had a full-time job and two part-time jobs. Wow. And my mom had, um, you know, she worked full-time too. So yeah. it's kind of like um, when you're so busy just trying to make it yeah. or like uh, just to have the things that you that you want to have yeah. in life. Um, sometimes there isn't always the space for those kind of things. And to think about, um, speaking about emotions and feelings and mental health and emotional IQ, those are just modern terms. Right. (laughs) Like they didn't exist back then. (laughs) So it's kind of like we're learning those things. So it's, we also need to look, when we look back at those lenses, it's, and, uh, when we look at the lens of our past, also noting that times were different back then times were different and um i know just remembering from the 70s 80s just in in just like this macho kind of like yes um unfeeling kind of stereotype of what it meant to be a man yeah and then noticing within myself that i'm such a sensitive young boy right this totally doesn't fit with who i am right it might fit for other kids but it doesn't fit for who i am right um, and then, and then also with some, like even with some Asian cultures, the expression of feelings, uh, is something that's commonly not done okay, okay. or it's even looked down upon. Right. Um, we did some work with, uh, the Chinese community using arts programs oh. and, uh, for them to start to talk about mental health and wellness, we were with seniors working yeah. with seniors. Okay. It was a brand new concept to them. Oof. Like this idea of what is depression or how do I support somebody else who's feeling depressed? Right. These are brand new conversations for people. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I keep thinking about my own growing up. I grew up in the prairies. Okay. Uh, in rural Saskatchewan. And I, like, there was me- there were mental health issues in, in my family, extended family, and in our home. And I was in, you know, grade eight when my dad had a really significant depression and I didn't even really know the word. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like an adolescent watching my parent fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then there was a moment, I don't know if somebody pointed it out to me or I, I realized it down the road, but that like for my dad who was struggling with his mental health to get the help he needed was really difficult where everybody knows you. Like if there's one therapist in your town and you drive your truck to the office where this therapist works, everybody knows. Do you know that kind of like stigma? Or or if you're in the Filipino community and you go and you see a a psychotherapist or psychiatrist, that's another stigma. Yeah. when it feels like we have to show everybody that we're hardworking and yeah. that we're doing well, but right. we're not vulnerable. Right. Uh, we don't have any problems. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, it makes me think like, oh man, there's so many complex parts of what it means to uh, grow in our awareness of, mm-hmm. of these things. And we kind of bring, we all kind of bring some kind of luggage with us, like exactly. how heavy it is, how cumbersome yeah. or how helpful the tools are. Yeah. There could be really good things. Uh, but I think uh, like I, I can see the ways that my parents continue to kind of grow and evolve in these ways. But you know, my sort of big imprint of difficult mental health issues was like looking around and being like, Ha! <laughs> How do yeah. we talk? I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, what's even going on here? I think that's a really important conversation to have around mm-hmm. mental health and culture, and 
you know, also integrate other ideas, um, not just about feeling states such as anxiety, depression, but mm-hmm. also like ideas around racism, mm-hmm. oppression, mm-hmm. oppression, um, gender inequality, yeah. uh, systematic oppression. There that it happens. is, Al. <laughs> there it <laughs> is. Know. We were like, you're, you're so fired. I'm so fired up about some things <laughs> yeah. that come from that list. And like, sometimes I forget, like, I forget, oh, that, like, that's why I'm so mad. Exactly. Because I'm, like, fighting this stuff all the time. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. I th- Thank you for those words. That mm-hmm. list is really powerful and important when it comes to um, all of the ways that we're, we feel and emote. I have a bit of a weird question for you. Sure. <laughs> Woo-hoo, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm going to try to, like, really direct us towards okay. um, language of despair. But, Al... You grew up Catholic, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So, so did I. Mm-hmm. And I've been wondering about something. Okay. Uh, so it's a little bit of a thought experiment. But growing up Catholic, uh, one is surrounded by religious iconography and art, statues, uh, you know, stations of the cross, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm often kind of aware of that this juxtaposition because in our setting at commons or elsewhere, there are just less images or our images are kind of modern, uh, maybe more abstract, um, kind of vivid in a different way. But I grew up in a tiny little parish in Saskatchewan, St. Wenceslas church, and all of the statues stayed the same. Like all of the imagery stayed the same. And there was a lot of sadness in yes. in the iconography and the imagery mm-hmm. in Catholicism. Yes, you know, uh, and I I keep going back to like I'd sing in the choir, the yep. youth choir in our church, tiny little <laughs> mm-hmm. tiny little town, tiny little choir, but it was up in the balcony at the back yep. of the sanctuary, and so at eye level we were looking out at the crucifix, yeah, with Christ on the cross. You know, you know little bits of blood, a crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. The imagery is like there, like I'm so, I'm curious to know your thoughts about the ways a religious space would inform some of our ways of holding emotions. Like, yeah. like does, like I'm, you know, one of the things I kind of go to right away is like, this is this portrayal of the divine mm-hmm. or of the mother of God is one that holds and suffers with us, like holds mm. our suffering and suffers with us. Mm-hmm. Um, what does any of this make you think about? Oh, gosh. Um, having... Like, I don't want to oversimplify it and say, like, does it help or does it harm? Because I don't, that doesn't feel quite right, although th- that is some of the language in my notes, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I really love this question um, just because I got back from the, the Philippines. Right. And was in a church where they had paintings from the 1500s wow. and art. Uh, and art in Catholic churches, the ones I've been in, seem, seem yeah. to be quite similar in kind yes. of how they are. Um, gosh. Um, that's something to really think about. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just because of my the well, way that my brain kind of puts things together. But I, I often feel really grateful that, like, I feel kind of like ambidextrous when it comes to Christianity. Like, I have yeah. a really strong sort of sacramental view of the world, yeah. but I also have quite a bit of freedom with the Protestant road that I took, yeah. like later. Um, but I think about that imagery, and I'm still really drawn to the imagery, mm-hmm. um, and. 
I think it also really informs my theology, but also then I wonder like, does it inform my emotional life or my prayer life? My sort of understanding or wonderings about the divine who's near to us, who is alongside of us in our sorrow would understand the ugly feelings having entered into all of them. Just off the top of my head, thinking about it, like there is so much that is um, seen a lot inside in the, kind of like the relationship between um mary and and jesus mm-hmm. and there's so much loving in, mm-hmm. in a lot of that portrayal and thinking about just who we are as people and in the first five years of our life our you know not just our mothers but our whole families are so integrated yeah in, such a big part of who we are and then i think about um the suffering that we see mm-hmm. on the self in the 12 stations of the cross yeah. and the cross itself you know the, the the thing that comes to mind is that you know we're not we're not separate from our suffering, right? Um, and that's something that even somebody that we hold in such esteem also felt, right? Um, but also overcame in some ways. Mm. And we'll probably mm-hmm. get into a conversation about resilience at some right, point. Right, right. Oh, good word. <laughs> oh, Al, I feel like I should be making a list of all the things. We're going to get to the end and then we'll drive away and be like, ah, I forgot to go back to resilience. <laughs> so we're going to talk about despair. Why did I choose that word? I don't know. I just, I, I just chose it. Yeah, I wanted, it's I was a great like, word. That word is holding something for me right yeah. now. Uh, when you, I mean, what is despair? Um, kind of my thinking about it and just a little bit of the reading I was doing was around suffering Mm -hmm. and that idea around the absence of hope, helplessness, hopelessness. Um, if I'm thinking of it kind of of what I might like symbolically or metaphorically, it could feel like an overwhelming cloud that you're stuck in and you don't know where the beginning of the, or the end of it is, but you're you know that you're, you're in, in it. it. So that's how I would kind of conceptualize yeah, despair. I really, I didn't even think to go to like, what would be a metaphor or a symbol of the mm-hmm. thing. That's great. Uh, sometimes it helps to understand something by exploring its opposites. So what would be the, I don't know if opposite is the right word, but what would be on the other side of the feeling wheel? Yeah. You know, what, do, what do we feel? Um, perhaps joy. Joy. Okay. Probably happiness. Yeah. Elation. Ooh, nice. Um, connectedness. Yeah. I would always throw intimacy in, in there because oh, I like yeah. to throw intimacy in all those <laughs> positive things. <laughs> more intimacy in the world. More, we need more, more of it. <laughs> We're so isolated. Exactly. Intimacy is the antidote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really helpful. Um, I wanted to know, can you think of a movie or like a story or a pop culture reference that really brings despair into view. Like last night I asked Jonathan about like, what would be the most, um, like the scene of most despair in game of Thrones. <laughs> Gosh. And he had two for me. Okay. Let's you hear want, it. Do you got to hear them? Yeah. I want One to was to the it. red wedding. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That was, that was like so surprising. And then you just think, where can this story go? It's like, that's despair. And then he, the other one, I also wanted a Jamie Lannister one. Oh, and yeah. he said when Jamie lost his hand mm. and like those scenes of him, like with it kind of bandaged or held up, or maybe he said the, when it was chopped off or I don't remember all the details, but those were the two he went to were those, yeah. those scenes. 
What about you? It doesn't uh, have to be Game of Thrones, but <laughs> is there like a character or like a moment? There's a book that I really love oh, that okay. I read uh, a couple times in Montreal. It's called A Fine Balance a by Fine Balance. Roh- Rohington oh, Mystery. Oh, it's been on my list for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's a uh, big book. It is a big book. Yeah. And it's once you start, it's once I started reading, I can put it down. And the thing that I found was that uh, the characters go, there's several characters in the book and then bad things happen to them. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying to myself, Oh, it couldn't get worse. And then it and gets it just worse. Does. <laughs> and then you're like, it can't get worse. And it gets worse. And you're like going through this book. It's like, there's got to be something good. There's because there's little pockets of joy okay. and like elation throughout. Because otherwise okay. it wouldn't be. You couldn't stomach it. Yeah, I couldn't stomach it. <laughs> but I think that, mm-hmm. um, I won't say what the ending is, but yeah. um, to see that and to read that and to keep thinking, oh, there's going to be a happy ending somewhere. Mm. And what does happen? Yeah. I actually couldn't read the ending for a couple of weeks because <gasps> I didn't want to know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, uh, not ready, not ready, not, not ready, ready, not, not ready. ready. <laughs> yeah. I also thought about, um, because I was talking about Jonathan, so one of his favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption. Yes. And I thought about the older gentleman. I can't remember that character's name. But when he's just like, he's left prison and he, like that is a despair. That is a scene of despair. Mm-hmm. When he takes his life by himself. Oh. But then there's a little bit of hope, doesn't Because what does he carve into the wood? Like the, his name was here or something i haven't seen that movie for so oh long. my gosh but it's still like yeah like he still carved out something of his presence in yeah. that moment which but i think like that's also really of... interesting too because i have such an affection for that movie yeah and i don't remember the details of right it, but the way it's left me is like i know that's a that's a the story emotion. about resilience oh yeah that's a story that's really meaningful to me Friendship. and i feel like relationships are like that too yeah and, Ooh. and especially what do you mean now <laughs> <laughs> well especially when i'm working with young people mm-hmm. uh, and doing counseling with them when i was doing art therapy and play therapy with them they didn't really know you know um we would we would talk about things and sometimes difficult things and they don't exactly know like mm-hmm. kind of what's happening but they remembered how it felt to be in a playroom where they can be themselves mm. and they can talk about things and they can s- express their scary feelings mm. or their monsters right. or this conflict that they're experiencing. Yeah. And so I think that's also really important to remember too in our relationships. People remember how you, how you make, how they yeah. feel when they're with you. Right. You might not know all the details or yeah. all the details, but I think about that with like re- being an auntie. I really mm-hmm. love that role in my life. And I sometimes think, she's not going to remember all these things like that I treasure so much, but she'll remember how her relationship with me feels. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And like we are doing that work right now yes. to establish like I'm this person who loves you so much. Exactly. Like, even if you can't remember how I sent you a postcard from San Francisco, <laughs> exactly. you know, in 10 years, you'll forget about that. Exactly. <laughs> um, how do we spot despair? Um, in ourselves and then like in another person well when it comes to the feelings or emotions it can be things like sadness Mm -hmm. or anxiety or stress Mm. uh, feeling disconnected um, irritability even for some people anger frustration fear um, 
And those can be sensations, feelings. Those can turn into. Uh, those can be also. We can notice our thoughts mm. around those. Right. And then we can also see that we can also start to see them in our behaviors. So or relationships. So reacting or pushing people away. Oh uh, yeah, isolating. Uh, building walls to oh, protect yeah. ourselves, isolating ourselves, um, and then engaging in negative or sometimes like unhelpful. Yeah. Coping behaviors. Right. When can or how can despair be a good companion? Hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting because some of the work that I do is with cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And that's at Wellspring. And um, we have an open art therapy studio where anyone from the community can come in and just make art. Hmm. We have all the art materials there. Um. And they can just make whatever they want. They either have a project they're working on or I can help them find a project. Mm. And so when they come together, it's be, it's a decision they've made and they can decide if they want to talk about cancer mm-hmm. or not talk about cancer. Okay. Um, but what they all have in common is they've experienced that or they've, they've had that feeling of suffering. Um, and then sometimes what happens is because you have people around you who understand what it's like to suffer like that, mm-hmm. then you there's somebody who's with you or around you who knows what you're not you're not alone. Mm. And that feeling of alone um, when you have despair can be overwhelming right. and upsetting. Right. Um, and so people do come in and sometimes they do talk about, you know, what it was like the exact moment that they found out they had cancer. Hmm. Uh, what was it like the exact moment when the doctor told them you have X many days hmm. or, or don't, or you have to go in, or you have to go into the surgery right away or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think that again, suffering is, is something that is just, is part of being human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something we all experience and, and Jesus it, suffered too. Yeah. So. It seems to me too that there's like, if, did you say this, that emotions and feelings can, no, I don't know if you said this, like be teachers or like be guides. No, I haven't no. said that, but I do see that. that yeah. yeah. That like, if I'm, if I'm really sad, if I'm like losing hope, like something matters to me, mm-hmm. right? Like what is, or like, or I'm missing something mm-hmm. or, uh, like, I kind of wonder about that curiosity piece. Like, yes. what is it here to tell me? Yes. What do I have opportunity to learn about yes. myself? Right so now? we were talking about how emotions and feelings give us, like, feedback. Yes, and feedback. So now yeah. you're thinking, uh, you're bringing it into a different kind of context, which is kind of like the idea that it's teaching us something or mm-hmm. it's tell- telling us something, that it's helping us discover something about ourselves. Yeah. It's helping us learn that we're in a situation where we either feel you know, compromised or yeah. overwhelmed or anxious or afraid. And, and, um, once we can see that it's separate from ourselves, then it, we have some opportunities around right. what we can do right. with those things. Which leads me to this question. Uh, what do we do if despair has sort of overstayed its welcome? <laughs> you know, oh my like, gosh. I mean, I'm sure it's, it would be different for everyone, but if it's like, wow, this has been a winter where mostly, I feel great despair. I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But, but you know, if, if it's like this, 
I, re- I years ago, a friend of mine said she decided to get some help mm-hmm. for her mental health when she realized she was waking up every day and thinking, I shouldn't have to work this hard. Like, and then she went forward, she got an important diagnosis and it completely changed her life. She went on some meds. It was extremely helpful for her to kind of gain some, some, um, normal. She just was like, I am every day when I wake up, I'm at the bottom. Like mm-hmm. I cannot keep fighting this hard. Um, Maybe I answered my own question. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I just kind of wonder about that. Like, it's okay to admit when something like despair or an ugly feeling is just like, it is overstayed. It's welcome. Yes. Like, and it's definitely okay to ask for help. Yeah. And then go to those people who support you. So, right. uh, you know, you're here. Uh, Jeremy's yeah. here. Um, there's professionals out there. Yeah. There's coaches. There's psychologists. Right therapists there is medication which can yeah. be helpful for some people totally. and so there's um uh when when it when it comes to that point and i think part of it too is that you know you realize you're just so sick of it mm-hmm. that something needs mm-hmm. to change i like what your tone just did <laughs> <It's> like, <"Geez, laughs> i am so, so sick of this i'm so frustrated right. <laughs> like i need to do something different totally it's like out out damn spot yeah like it's a exactly. shakespeare moment it's like i've been scrubbing this <laughs> exactly ah, i've been rolling this up. rock up this hill <laughs> forever <laughs> exactly <laughs> as you go down the hill with it. uh what are how can we i've i'm more and more drawn to language of like grounding like grounding myself in moments like how can we ground ourselves in a time of despair, like if I'm like, okay, I know I'm f- this, this is a companion for, for now, for today, for this season. Uh, but I don't want to become the emotion. Mm-hmm. What are, maybe this is that resilience question, bringing it back. Like what are some ways to sort of shape some resiliency? I, I think like f- for everybody, there's, I, I think we're starting to talk about that. We're starting to move into that conversation, conversation on self care. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think, I think it's really important to have a bit of a paradigm shift around self-care. Okay. Because I think sometimes we think of self-care as that thing I can do when I have the time to do it. Yeah. Like an extra. Exactly. But more around the things that we just need to be doing these things every day. Huh. And then we having conversations with the people around us around saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing for my self-care today. Mm -hmm. Uh, even if it's helping to let them know that this is something that's necessary for my vitality. Right. Which sometimes means some boundaries. Like, I can't do that thing because I actually have to do this thing. Yeah. I just think, like, I know for Carrie, like, for my partner, her biggest thing is just, like, she just loves to have, like, a certain amount of time in uh, the bathtub with the candlelights and a podcast. Yeah. And if she can get that on a regular basis, that's something that fills her up. Yeah. So I, I think... That's really important as far as, um, uh, you know, or on a self-care for me, it's around the things that I like to do around meditation mm-hmm. and, um, it changes from time to time. And right. right now it looks like wake up in the morning and then 21 minutes sitting, um, on just a group, a bunch of pillows and yeah. then just following my breath. And 21 minutes? Why 21 minutes? Because <laughs> it takes me a minute to get from the timer on my microwave <laughs> to sit down on my pillows and cover myself with all of these blankets. 
<laughs> I love that you built that in <laughs> So I could get that exact 20 minutes. And do you like need to kind of wake up a bit or you're like, this is a part of kind of waking up and getting into the day? Yeah, it's, it's the first thing I do. Oh. Uh, so I wake up in the morning and then kind of like get everything ready for coffee because Carrie likes coffee first thing yeah, in the morning. And so, so sweet. <laughs> um, so I kind of get everything prepared, like to tidy up a little bit. And yeah. then when I'm ready, I'll sit down and do my um, meditation. Okay. And then it's about sometimes just following my breath. Yeah. It's like I can see how distracted I am. That's it. I that just, like, is my... the blessing, but also the like frustrating blessing yeah. about meditation is like my brain is wild. Yeah. It is a wild place. Yeah. <laughs> like all of our brains are. It's just how we work, right? But I think that mi- that mindfulness of thought uh, is a profound and terrifying part of yeah. meditation. Yeah, and then just stepping back and then yeah. saying to myself, "Oh, there it wow, is." Wow, I just like I'm trying to do this really complex breathing exercise. So today may not be the day to do that because there's too many things going. So just yeah. let's just breathe in and let's out. Let's just breathe. And then the mind is going to wander off. Yeah, and go into things. Uh, the ha- the mind has a habit of thinking the same things over yeah. and over again. And so like just being curious about this, like yeah. whoa. I'm really stuck on that. I'm really stuck about right. whatever happened. What What is it about yeah. that? Um, yeah. And then sometimes other things, like even today, I, I like um, my meditation today is like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like sometimes 20 minutes flies by. You're, and like, one eye open on that microwave <laughs> like, timer the whole time. <laughs> like, I see you at so 15 the, minutes still. <laughs> so the headline was like, Ah, I see that I really need to practice mm. patience today. Oh, that's and what you carry I that intention then into mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I have also been trying to grow in meditation. Really, sometimes just like five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to keep leading into it. And yeah. I think I'm at a place where I was like, I'm about to walk away because yeah. it's like there, there I am again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're also but, you also yeah. part of your meditation is your yoga. Your yes, yoga exactly. Practice. I do yoga almost always twice a day. Yeah, well, I'm, not because I'm so like yoga virtuous, because I just manage pain. Like mm-hmm. I had my hip replaced seven years ago, and my body cries out to me in all kinds of annoying ways. And if I stretch in the morning, I am a much happier person because I'm in less pain. Yeah, um, but I do try to like spend that time on my mat, but. Even the yoga and the yoga breathing is like, when is this over? That refrain to me is like, I love this so much. And still my brain says, when is this over? I am fighting myself all the time there. Exactly. (laughs) And I've been trying to just be like, this is one of your best moments of the day. Like all you have to do is this. Mm-hmm. Just, just do your five sun salutations. Like this is presence, Bobby. Yeah. This is like, yeah. This is gift. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that Carrie and I like to do was just go through, go for a walk in Weasel Head. Oh yeah. And um, once you get down the hill and into Weasel Head, you can break off into to like the trees, mm-hmm. and every day is a different day. Ah. Uh. Um. And. Uh, here's a tip if you bring bird seed with you especially sunflower seeds and you can find enough birds singing you can just put your hand out and they will come right into your oh hand gosh, that kind of terrifies me <laughs> it's terrifying at first but actually it's i have so been cool. known to let out some of my worst curse words when birds are flying it's around so my cool. head <laughs> it is a little bit daunting i agree with you at first but then once you figure it out because that's the other thing too is 
I feel anyways, is that mm-hmm. the birds can sense when you're like scared oh. and afraid. So it's the practice of putting your hand out, oh, yeah. creating an offering, being still, right. not moving too much. And so that they can come yeah. into your hand. Oh, so good. Uh, do you, do you have more to say about yoga and your relationship to yoga and self-care and emotional health? Yeah, I think, you know, the, that's a point. It's just, it's really important to keep our bodies active. Uh, yeah, and with our, the walking our, too. Uh, that pattern, repetitive movement of it can be yoga, right. it can be skating, it can be walking, actually helps to have our nervous systems calm down. Yeah. Um, Man, there is nothing quite like a walk. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's profound. Like I, I'll be like miserable, and twenty minutes later, I'll be like, "This day is freaking gorgeous." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never noticed that tree before, exactly. and the sun is so stunning. And yeah. yeah, it it is. And I think too that, and also if I'm if I'm in a writing week and I'm stressed about sitting at my computer, how am I going to pull these thoughts together and do it beautifully and creatively in a way that matters to other people and me? Uh, and I just, I just think, just take a walk. Mm-hmm. Then the best part of my sermon meets me. Like, yes. like I, I always have my phone around and I just open up the note. I jot, I stop in the middle of a sidewalk in whatever neighborhood I'm in and just jot them down, put the phone away and carry on. But that's the, there's the break. I, it's not, it's very rarely when I'm sitting at this computer, like <laughs> grind, yeah. grind, grind. It's like, just get outside, move your arms back and forth, back and forth, and something shifts. And I, I, I have a little bit of a theory around that. Tell me. So sometimes when we're feeling stress and, you know, there's a lot of things going on, we can move into a little lower part of our brain and we can move into oh. this fight, flight, or freeze yes. kind of parts of ourselves. Yeah, survival. So we're quite reactionary. Right. It's really, Even our really, breath is like... <laughs> yes, it's quick and yeah. restrained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that pattern repetitive movement actually helps us to move to more of the higher places of our brain oh. so we can access our creativity. Oh. We can access our insights. I know when I'm writing poetry or I'm coming up ideas with mm-hmm. my artwork, it comes after a walk. It comes yeah. in Shavasana. Uh, intuitively things or people I need to connect to or thoughts I have oh. come to me, like you said, at the end of those, yeah. like, not, not strenuous activities, but just like gentle movement. Yes. Activities. Gentle movement. Oh, that's lovely. Can you talk a little bit more? We're kind of winding down on our time about some of the art that you, I mean, is it fair to say that you have moved kind of professionally to make sure that you have enough space to create and to make art? Like it did. I think I'm still own? in the, that process. Okay. And, um, you know, art and doing art in communities pays the bills and I'm still working on the part of building my my fine art career okay and um it's still really really exciting and i feel like it the growth is happening there Mm -hmm. it's interesting because in an arts career it's not linear no so there's like lots of different things happening at the same time and it feels like it's moving and sometimes it's not and then you know there's other things happening in the world and it's like but i feel like at the core of myself i i am an artist okay and i need to live an artist's life Hmm. And want to continue to, to do that work. Yeah. So you're primarily a painter? Um, drawing is always drawing what I'm most comfortable with. Okay. So um, I also like to do paintings. 
Um, I've started playing around with the iPad and drawing on the iPad, oh. which is kind of fun. Um, I like to write poetry. I like to sh- do short oh, stories. Um, and so I'm just interested in a lot yeah. of different things. Some of my favorite work of yours that I've seen is, are those big portraits that you did. Mm-hmm. And that, that, well, the colors, the closeness. Can you talk about or describe yeah, definitely. that project? So th- people could probably find that stuff of yours uh, yes. if they find you on Instagram or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. City, and I can yeah. give you that information yeah, too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so that art project was about mothers. Mothers. Yes. And I thought there would be... I thought that what a wonderful thing that I could do to show my appreciation and love of my mom was to mm. do a portrait of her. Okay. And so who other, like, who else was out there that I could, yeah. uh, other mothers out there that I could share this with? And so yeah. some people I had a close relationship with. Yeah. And some people were friends of friends. And okay. some people just happened to walk into a coffee shop that day and like, hey, you're a mom. You're going to be in the art show. <laughs> <laughs> so... And the process is that I go and I meet with them and that I talk with them and then oh, I take their photos. Yeah. It's a way of like connecting yeah. intimately. And for a lot of people, it, it can be, they're not used to having the portrait done yeah. of themselves. So it can be a little bit vulnerable. I know. And I'm, I've met your mom like once or twice. Yes. She's and I super think sweet. She's so sweet. And yeah. I think, what was her feeling around a big picture of her. Well, I don't think she knew it was going to be that big. <laughs> <laughs> How big was it for people? Uh, 44 inches by 66 inches. Yeah. So they're massive. They're massive. Yeah. Which is what's so cool about them. Well, it's also that the scale of them is like, whoa. Yeah. You actually can see them from one side of the public library where yes. I did my show to the other. And it's like, right. that's a big portrait. Right. And what I try to do is just capture some essence of them or some mm. something about them that I think yeah. is really special or yeah. important. And just... The fact that mothers are so important in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Um, and then some of the other work I'm doing around right now is building community and uh, among Fili- Filipinos yes. and then talking about mental health and wellness. So yeah. that's another project that and I'm it, still in the midst of developing. Is it, are, are, have you been working with uh, Filipino youth? Yes. Primarily. Yeah. So we've been doing work with them around uh, mental health and wellness. Okay. So, um, they're mostly of a generation where they've either come from the Philippines or they grew up half their life there and now we're here. And so we're talking about what it's like for their mental health and their experience of their mental health in the past and the culture in the Philippines to what Mm -hmm. it's like being a foreigner and seeing different people and Mm -hmm. a way of life here Mm -hmm. in in Canada. Working on a small booklet Ah. uh, so that people can share what that experience is like. Yeah. What's that been like for you? It's still very much in the early stages. Okay. Um, what has it been like for me? It's yeah. it's really fun because it's like it's like just taking all this energy and these ideas and then and then creating something with hmm. other people and seeing what re- resonates with them. For me, right. um, there's a long history of taking you know, staying on what we've been talking about, all these ugly feelings. Yeah. Uh, and then turning them into beautiful pieces of yes, art. Yeah. So you think of the blues. Yes. And especially just like, just awful, awful suffering, but yeah. they put it to music. And Generational. Exactly. Yeah. And iconic. Yeah. And meaningful and, mm. and, and life-changing or, or, or denotion of time. And things are different. Right. Um, 
It's interesting to think about, yeah, the, the trans, the transformational power of, of ugly feelings. Yes. And then you put in, um, thinking of putting into art so that it's symbolic, metaphorical or Mm. abstract. Mm. And in, so then there's all these different methods of ways of expressing that. So from visual art, it can be a painting, a drawing or a sculpture from music. It can be any genre of music. It can be writing a story, a poem, a journal, a blog post. It can Mm. be a drama or a dance. And there's this, all this opportunities to express ourselves in Mm. this, in this way, which I think is for these feelings which can be finite and only be a part part of our time right. there's such a endless way to express ourselves which right. is really cool is there anything else you want to talk about um well i think um going further on that it's just that our our imagination our and our creativity is absolutely like endless hmm. and you think about i was listening to a podcast by jack cornfield today Mm. Um, and he was talking about, um, he was telling a story and he was talking about how within all of us, we're full of poems we're full of songs we're full of drawings. Uh, similarly, we're full of mountains, rivers, lakes. We're all full of universes, alternate realities, and it's just endless. And I think, um, that creativity is really really cool and if we can cultivate that our creativity along with our compassion our empathy that's really important right it seems to me too that uh we have such a like an instinctive response to ugly feelings or despair in particular to numb Mm -hmm. and and but when we numb the depths of those feelings we don't get to experience the height of, yes. of emotion and feeling in life. And it seems like creativity, imagination, art, even if you're just like journaling a little doodle, uh, it's like some, something, uh, some sort of intention yeah. with the thing like can bring us through to the other side of yeah. those. I'm not saying that like, I'm going to do a drawing and I'll never feel or, you know, or like yeah, no, yeah. the point is to feel mm-hmm. the point is to, uh, like I, uh, I had mentioned that my, my grandmother passed away and I was sort of flooded with different memories and in some ways also kind of frustrated. I didn't have more, you know, mm. that I, she's gone and I, you know, this is the package of the memories I have. Like, yeah. and I, I was remembering flowers that grew up the side of the house, uh, hollyhocks. Mm. And I'm not, I used to draw as a kid, but don't as an adult and haven't for 30 years probably. (laughs) And I just found the image of a hollyhock on the internet and took some time to draw it Mm -hmm. and to stay with uh, some of the sadness that I felt around memory. Yes. And um, I'm just, I feel really grateful for that little sketch and the colors of my pencil crayon in my bullet journal, you know, that, that it was the act of, of just putting my hand to the paper um, in a way that I had kind of lost touch with that allowed me not to numb uh, not to turn away from, but to feel, and I don't know, would we say move through yeah, the or feeling? Even be in the center of that feeling. Be in the center. Oh, that's a nice language. Sometimes <laughs> right. we spend so much because we're so worried about all these complex feelings. Yeah. Trying to push them away is even more energy than that actually is true, isn't sitting it? in the center of yeah. it. Like, I'm just going to sit in the center of this yeah. feeling of loss. Yeah. 
um, and grief yeah. and just be here with be it. it. And then like, I like what you're saying that you were being creative about it. Um, as an outlet and also honoring your relationship with somebody who you loved really, really dearly. Right. right. Yeah. It just, it, I kept kind of going back to that little flower. I drew mm-hmm. just that I, I, and I could almost like feel the summer, like the summer of that child, you know, of, of that child, like little girl, Bobby, Yes. like running around the house. I would like jump on the riding lawnmower and like mow my grandma's big lawn on the farm. You know, yes. I could kind of feel all of those things. Cause I just took a moment to, be in the center of it and some and more opened up around mm-hmm. around it well also to say that when your your mind is going through those things mm-hmm. it's also firing all those chemicals and those all those feelings up mm-hmm. again and so um maybe your grandmother isn't physically here but she lives kind of in the wiring of your brain and the memory of who she is and that drawing or those hollyhocks are always going to be a way to honor that special relationship with you right and honestly i think too there were parts of like uh i don't know that i should open all this but there were parts of like my grandmother being a certain sort of woman that i remember being like i don't want to be that sort of woman she was like is very traditional mm-hmm. very traditional like farmer's wife role and so i think in my 20s i was like well i don't want to be that kind of woman i want to be strong and independent i'm gonna read a lot i'm gonna get a grad school degree like yeah. those, those were things on my grandmother's to-do list you know <laughs> yeah but maybe this this time of remembering her is like letting her and my memory of her just be what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and that like, I'm, I I think, I don't know how conscious I was to be like, I'm going to be a different kind of woman, mm-hmm. but to be like, no, actually like be, I am because she was mm-hmm. like that. I can't separate those things. Exactly. Like exactly. I am alive because my grandmother gave life. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she is a part of me. I just, yeah, my story isn't so separate from yes. hers. And, but um, also that the time that she grew up in what, thinking about the mm-hmm. choices totally. and the options that she had totally. for, you know, what she was. And so, and punk little Bobby, <laughs> you know, being exactly. like, I'm going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bobby, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Um, Al, where could people find your work, connect with you if they wanted to reach out to you? Um, what, what would that be? Usually like? Instagram is probably the easiest yeah. way. And then I can give that to you. I don't have that off the top of my okay, head. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I actually kind of keep a low profile yeah. on social media. Great. Um, but every once in a while I post something. Yeah. Uh, I always love to sit down and have a conversation with people if nice. they want to. Um, I'm really interested in, um, commute, uh, community and, um, art making processes mm, together. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in how we can recreate community art as a community in the current context of what's going on in the world right. uh, and the challenges around that. Right. So uh, I find it actually kind of like exciting about right. some of the things that we can get engaged with. So yeah, always open to a conversation. Love that. Love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me today. Thanks Al. Thanks for braving the space. Yes. Bam. My name is John and I help Bobby make the episodes for between Sundays. There was a question raised in today's episode about a depiction of despair in pop culture for reference. And for me, that reference would be Lars von Trier's 2011 movie, Melancholia. 
It's a movie about two sisters and their differing reactions to a possible world-ending catastrophe based on their different lived experiences. It's not an easy movie, but it is a good one, and if you need to spend the time uh, in quarantine, you could do worse. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockled is the host, and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Alan Rosales for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. Thanks, everyone.